Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley. And uh, today, it's my pleasure to have on Brian Bradley on the interview. How are you, Brian? What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, I'm good. Now, Brian, uh, those many people don't know the, the secret agent that is Brian Bradley, who is uh, traveling the world with some of the most famous people around. Um, and when you're not doing that, you're enjoying all that San Diego has to offer, right? Uh, but can you give everybody like a one-minute background of who you are, what you do, and uh, what company you're part of? Absolutely. Um, if you go online to Instagram, all that other stuff, which I told my son I was going to beat him a year ago when I told him I was going to start doing social media, and he laughed. And of course, within a year, I crushed him. So thank you to everybody for that. But if you go over and look at, uh, basically, Brian Bradley is dealing with the Agoscu method and the patch. And um, it's basically a... <clears throat> system of looking at the body, if everybody knows what a Goscu is, when we look at posture pain performance. And it's been a 27-year mission of mine so far to basically expand the method to a place where it's a true adjunct to every type of therapy that's out there. So if you did your, basically did your Agoscu exercises prior to any type of other hands-on or hands-off or professional-based movement, your results, in my opinion, are dramatically increased based on that. So it's been a, a life's mission of mine to really get out there and tell people, go to YouTube, look at this, read the pain-free book, uh, listen to us do talks at TPI where, you know, you and I met years ago. So mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully that was well, Actually, we did not first meet at TPI. Let me tell you a little story. So I was in college up in Montana at Montana State University, home of the Fighting Bobcats, of course. <laughs> and uh, so, shoot, this is 1999, maybe 2000. So, roughly 20 years ago, right? Uh, maybe 18 or 19 years ago. And um, I was interested in, in helping people, and I met a, a chiropractor. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yep, Cleet Leinbarger. Yep, Cleet Leinbarger, one of my early mentors. And uh, his story was we had this kid that was supposed to be drafted now, you know, this isn't USC. So we don't see a lot of kids drafted in the NFL, right? So uh, Neil Smith was his name, I believe. And he had an injury that just couldn't, we, our training staff just couldn't seem to get him better. Pete, uh, sorry, Cleet worked on him and said he did everything he could through the book at him and couldn't seem to ever get him better. And then somehow he hooked up with you guys, went down to San Diego over the summer and came back. And Cleet said the first time he saw him walk up into his office, he goes, where the hell did you go? And what the hell did they do? And he said, well, I met these guys down at the Agasca Clinic. They gave me these weird exercises. And Cleet said he just could not get enough information at that point because he's like, I literally exhausted everything I had. And somehow Neil came back like ready to be drafted and had a great season after that. And, uh, and so then Cleet went on to study with you guys and it completely revolutionized his practice. And this is back before, you know, this is back before chiropractors were doing rehab really. So he... I always laugh because here he was like one of the most cutting edge chiropractors in the world based out of, you know, Bozeman, Montana, which is where you think cutting edge uh, chiropractic care develops, right? <laughs> so a year later, I was living in Southern California. I went down to the clinic, the, I think it was the OG one, but um, 
went down there and I remember meeting you there. I didn't work with you directly, but I, I remember meeting you for about two seconds on my little eval. And I said, Hey, I'm going back up to Montana um, after this. And they're like, Oh, you got to work with Cleet. I'm like, yeah, I already know. Yeah, I kind <laughs> of know who Cleet is. Yeah. Thank yeah. You for the information. <laughs> so when I went up, Cleet had trained a guy named Pat. So I was like, there's three guys in this town that know what Agascu is all about. And we've got to spread the message, you know, this tiny little nexus of people. So anyways, and then years later, I saw you at TPI. So kind of a, a, a small world, how it all circles. But uh, yeah, he was just blown away. And, and the funny thing was he had a difficult time kind of explaining it to to me, but he ended up building like a mini patch kind of thing in a gymnastics studio in a warehouse because, you know, we couldn't really stay outdoors that much. And then he got the university put in one and all that. So it's a pretty exciting little transition there. But I, I don't know if you followed Cleet uh, in that whole transition, but it was pretty amazing. I did for years. And I will tell you that <clears throat> to hear the story never gets old. I told you this was 27 years this year doing this. And I swear to you, I, I, don't, I don't take it for granted anymore, the history that people have with Agoscu and the zealots, you know, the, um, the raving fans, uh, Ken Blanchard's statement to talk about the raving fans it's truly an addiction when somebody from a practitioner side really gets a hold of it, drinks the Kool-Aid and says, yes, I'm a chiropractically trained physical therapist, DPT, whatever it might be. Um, there's a reason why Vladimir Yonda came over and did therapy with Agoscu because it fell right in line with his Czech Republic built upper cross, lower cross, and all the stuff that he spearheaded into the rehab field. Because remember, this was back in the late 80s, early 90s, when I ran into Pete, and the word function really didn't even exist. Like people weren't throwing around functional this, pattern this, do this, do this. And back then we even said, okay, there's only so much of Pete Agoscu to go around. And if Brian's going to, that's what I said to myself, Brian, if you're going to become that guy, then I've got to turn this around to spread the word, to allow a guy like Cleet to say, I finally found the missing link because I have almost everything put together. And yes, I'm helping people. But when somebody like him or you or even me can't get somebody well, it doesn't sit well with people like us. It no. sits in the craw and it becomes that irritant because not that our egos need it, but we've let that patient or client down. And that is how we're bred. Yeah. And I think nobody gets into this business because they're like driven by money. I mean, it might be a nice adjunct to having a professional license, whether it's MD, PT, hell, you could be an orthopedic surgeon, but I don't think those people are in it for the money. There's this inherent thing to help your fellow man that drives us all. And when you do everything you can, there is a, I don't know, I don't know if it's apathy or what the lack of effectiveness or fulfillment in your life's mission is when you can't help somebody. And I could see that that on Cleet when he was saying that story, you know, but and then when you do see that, hey, this could change and this could change very quickly, you want to freaking, you want to put it on a flag and run around a, a stadium like those guys at the start of a football game, you know, like I have the method, I have the solution, you guys listen to me. And everybody thinks you're insane. And it's like, I am, but you're insane for thinking that change can occur, you know? I mean, look at a, how, how did you guys get hooked up with TPI again? Was it Arnold Palmer or who was it that was like, you, uh, you have Nicholas. to. Nicholas yeah. was the one that he was couldn't walk down the stairs and then Pete took him or the day that he was, what was he? He shot like a 76 at the Riviera. And then the next day he shoots like a 64 and everybody was like, well, what happened? And he, Pete worked with him the night before. So these little things, you know, they exploded. And, and you have to understand where Pete Agoscu is with golf. In his mind, it was, he personally doesn't play golf or like golf. 
So when I came into it, having played golf because my dad was the golf coach and we grew up with it and all that stuff, I looked at it and said, it's no different than any other sport, which is what I love that TPI is doing now, bringing in the rotary and the soccer and everything else into this and saying, train the athlete, don't just train the golfer. You know, which Mm -hmm. I know you've adopted that years ago. So for us, it's pretty easy to fall right into that mindset. But can you imagine being one of the new guys coming out of the university and, and hopefully university training's not so linear, but if you come out with, say, your ATC, your certified athletic trainer, and you're still looking at shin splints being a anterior compartment problem, then you're literally 30 years behind in your learning. And because now, you know, when, when we're starting to look at this, this is what took these guys and saying, you want to train a golfer, then why not have them do the patch? Why not have them go for a run? You know, we're truly training an athlete. And you know, as well as I do, I, I work with a lot of pros in different sports, and I'm not saying that for any other reason than this. Golfing was always looked at by people as, is it really a sport? And I would always say to them, have you ever played 18 holes? Like literally, I'm an athlete. And the next day I get up, I'm like, well, you can tell that I just got kicked by a horse yesterday because I played 18 holes. Because it is that decelerated backswing and then that acceleration through ball strike, mid, uh, ball strike and follow through. And it's one-sided. And it's one-sided and one-sided and one-sided. And these things create their own issues. So when somebody says that to me, I just chuckle at them and say, no, it's truly an athletic sport. In fact, it's one of the, I won't call it dangerous. It, it, it becomes dangerous if you fall into that one-sided pattern thing. Right. It's, uh, it, it, it amazes me every day, every single day of my life, how resilient the human body is and how fragile the human body is in the same breath. Yep. You know, like you can do a one-sided sport. You look at a, a healthy baseball pitcher, uh, Nolan Ryan had an incredibly long career through faster than anybody, all one-sided. And yet you'll see some guys in high school completely destroy their shoulder with no return, you know, from the same motion. And it's like, man, this is an incredible machine and we should understand it better. Well, and if you understood uh, Nolan Ryan's off-season training, um, he was basically doing the patch without even doing what you call the patch. His off-season training was, in fact, let me change it. Nolan Ryan did not have an off-season. And he'll tell you that. And that's why, you know, the team that he owns or manages and all these different things that he's doing now, you know, I have some players from different things in, the, in major leagues all dealing with the same kind of stuff, but they're part of that new 150 to $180 million breeds that are, are truly realizing that, man, if you can give me another five or six years on my career, I'll do whatever you tell me. Yeah. And I once, mean, at $20 million a year, by the way. <laughs> like, correct. Correct. And, and we're not asking for 10% of that. We're just asking that they do their exercises. Maybe that's bad business. I don't know. Maybe yeah, 1% yeah. and your exercise is probably a better, <laughs> exactly. better, better idea, call. but I'll let you guys consult your accountant. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those, I don't want to get uh, you know, too far in the weeds because I have knowledge of what the patch is and you have obviously knowledge of what the patch is. But for our listeners, can you kind of give us a little primer on what is it when we keep saying the patch, the patch, the patch? This is not a... Uh, this is not a Velcro uh, embroidered uh, four inch by four inch uh, piece of fabric on your shoulder, right? Uh, Correct. And it's not an anti-smoking thing you put on your forearm or something like that. So it's, <laughs> it's all based on uh, a place in San Diego near the Del Mar racetrack in, uh, you know, uh, in Del Mar, California, where Pete Agoscu started off being asked by, you know, the junior sales of the world, the John Lynch's of the world, the John Allreds, the Mark Bruners. And they all said, Hey, can you start weight training us? And he said, look, don't insult the personal trainers in the gym and make me go in there. In fact, <laughs> what I'll do, which I like that explanation because he yeah, didn't say, great. 
He didn't say, well, I know more. He just said, don't insult their intelligence by bringing me who knows nothing mm-hmm. except what I know physically, which is his military Marine Corps background was, if I'm going to train these guys, why not move them to the place that I know, which is the obstacle course? And this was back in the mid, probably the low to mid 80s into the 90s. And then we started the patch. And that's one of the big things that turned my mind because I was in the gym eight days a week thinking I'm getting strong and bigger and faster. And I would, I'd sneeze and my lats would get bigger, but my legs did not grow because I was a peripheral mover from the upper body rather than being you know, a hip-driven athlete, which is what the patch really pushes. So for example, if somebody were to say, I train people by having them step through like a hurdle that you'd have on a track, I have them step through it sideways and then have them switch to the other leg and step through it back the other direction sideways, that all stemmed itself from the patch. And I remember when people um, like the strength coach at Washington, Nebraska, uh, Texas A&M, the Bengals strength coach, all these guys started implementing these movements because we would basically give the information away because why hoard onto something that, that basically just is so simple in the way that it helps people and moves them to another level. Very simply, you know, you'll hear me say this a thousand times, the terms hip driven is where Agoscu is based. If the athlete ever becomes non-hip driven, meaning one side would work, but the other one doesn't, you can't fire your psoas, your iliacus to be the major stabilizers of that quote core. Then you become that lat driver, shoulder driver, shoulder rounds forward. And then I go to throw a ball and there my elbow starts killing me. This so, is the, uh, the Instagram star that uh, couldn't, couldn't toss a, a football on the beach, right? That is exactly right. And so we got to look at this kind of stuff. When you asked me what the patch was, the patch is bringing the outdoors indoors with our indoor version. And it's bringing the, the non-military based athlete to the military based training without all the yelling and Navy SEAL stuff and Marine Corps drill sergeant. So I look at it, it brings the clinic into the gym. Like when you, when you do the patch, well, it is a clinical, a high level clinical intervention for an, uh, an athlete, you know, it's, it's incredible. So can you give some examples like what kind of exercises folks would be doing, uh, in a normal patch workout, if there is such a thing as a normal patch workout. But. There really is. There's a way to do a bear crawl collect correctly and a way to do it completely wrong. And when somebody, if, if you can picture in the fitness world and wellness world now where somebody says, let's do bear crawls, front, back, left, right, whatever. The minute you lift your knees off the ground, I'm going to ask questions and answer them myself here. Okay, trainer, the minute you lift your knees up off the ground, what happens? Oh, my core fires. Correct. So I walk up and I smack them in the stomach and they're like, yep, it's a, where do you feel the work? Oh, in my shoulders. But wait a second. I thought you said your core was doing the work. No, it is. You can, I, oh, I can feel the tightness there, but the upper back in my shoulders are really what's driving. So what we have to do is we've got to get to a point where we can allow them to be a, a pelvic and hip driven initiator of the movement. So what we do is we take someone at the patch and say, I'm going to put you three feet off the ground on a convex surface, a little rounded at the top, a little bit of an even unstable movement in the pillar. And they start walking in a bear crawl position. And because their body becomes so unstable, they instantly shift their pelvis back toward their knees, almost like a bent knee downward dog position, mm-hmm. because they're trying to shift the center of gravity from going over their upper body. As if you, like if you were downhill mountain biking, you would do the same thing. You got to shift your weight backwards or you're going over the handlebars. So it's a, it's a shift backward and then 
start walking front, left, back, right, whatever it might be. You know, if you're going to do backwards, forwards, whatever the movement, it's turning every single move into an unstable, uh, off the ground, I'm a little nervous, challenging their psyche, their emotions at the same time that it's doing the physical. And once you can tie some confidence into that one or two times through it and never based on speed, it's always based on function, never on speed. It's move at your own pace. In fact, LIIT, low intensity interval training is where all of this stuff is based. So if I can actually slow you down, you remember the video that I did with Jason Glass on the patch. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jason had his eyes completely opened up and it wasn't me saying, you need to know this because you don't know it. No, he inherently knew it. But what happens is we as practitioners are so busy taking care of ourselves, sorry, taking care of others rather than ourselves, and we start to lose sight of something. But when you start to lose your functional movement as a coach, my opinion is you start to lose some of your vision as it relates to training your athlete. So I wanted him to experience it. Once he did, it was where he came across with the low dose stuff that he starts to teach. I think I'm dosing my, my athletes too much. And so it's a low intensity, which translates into bigger, faster, stronger later because your joints are now in a better position and they're under control. So the word control, I know a lot of people hate it, but if I said posture correction is a goscu, posture control is the patch where you really start to control the conditioning and the balance and the neurological side of how your body creates that new pattern. So once that pattern's created, then we move you onto the patch. And if, even if you didn't have the equipment, we'd show you how to do it on the ground to be able to do this. Yeah. You guys were bear crawling uh, since Christ was born. I mean, like pretty much, <laughs> I mean, pretty much. it's cool now it's, it's normal now, but 20 years ago, 27 years ago, in your case, like it must've been like, what the hell are you doing? Putting your hands on the ground, son. Like, <laughs> like literally laughed off of NFL and college fields. Like when John Lynch would bring us out and be at Stanford or he'd be down at Tampa Bay, we'd go in and we'd do some stuff and the coaches would kind of look and they'd laugh. And I go, guys, almost like a great cook statement. You can laugh now, but in five years, if you're still laughing, you're unemployed. (laughs) You know, it's, you got to get on board with what we're doing or you're flat out unemployed. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you my, my experience with it at the high level college, uh, uh, situation was, you know, after I met Cleet, I ended up uh, getting a job as an assistant, you know, assistant to the assistant junior assistant strength coach. And our, uh, I was an undergrad assistant in this, in the, uh, in our strength and conditioning center at Montana state. Now I was under this guy named Brett Tudsbury, who was, who actually came out to the patch, but very smart guy doing clean and jerks and snatches long before it was cool. Um, and we had, what I always thought were undersized athletes. Like I never looked at our, our football team and thought, man, we're going to win the, you know, tallest and biggest kind of thing. Like our linebackers were 205, 215. And, uh, and I remember every, the, the first year I helped out, Cleet was our coordinator. He and Tuds put together this like four week, I don't know what you want to call it. You know, when they do a two a, day, two a days, like this uh, early season kind of onboarding. And, a lot of that was going to the patch and then hurdle drills and a lot of non weightlifting activities. So we'd get these junior college transfers. And every time these junior college kids came up, I was like, damn, these suckers are big, you know? And you'd have a kid. I remember this one kid came in and (laughs) Tuds was going crazy because this kid could bench something like four thirty for two or three reps, but he couldn't squat like two twenty five for five. (laughs) Right. And huge, you know, 
I'm sure young Brian Bradley, uh, huge lats, uh, no butt, no thighs, uh, wasn't notoriously fast, didn't move super well, but you know, could move some weight on bench, which is a qualifier in, in football for some unknown reason. We went out to the patch. That kid did maybe, I don't know, man. We did warm-ups and then maybe 20 minutes of this stuff starts vomiting. You know, like, I mean, here's a guy that's been put through, like, he came out of a junior college in Central California, so he's been through the heat. He's been through hard workouts. It was not hot or hard at this point. But just how much recruitment he had to perform to maintain what looked like a sloth walking on a branch. I mean, you know, a downhill bear crawl on a telephone pole. And he was just absolutely smoked. Absolutely smoked. I was just like, what the hell? And our athletes that were there for two or three years were just motoring up and down and, and just looked smooth. And uh, this guy was just absolutely destroyed. And this is like day four of, of workouts, you know? And it just totally threw my mind, like, it's okay to be undersized because our guys move well, they recover fast, and they you know, they can hit as hard as anybody because they're, they're hitting people from their hips, not from what their shoulders right. can produce. That's right. And, and Josh, this is a, okay. When, when you, when you get emails about this, you can send them to me and I'll try to answer the questions, but I'm telling you, we've solved the CTE problem. So when you're looking at this CTE issue in the NFL and everybody's blaming the NFL for this, if I just walk you through the anatomy you alone and your, anybody else, doctor-wise, anybody in the physiology world will be able to stay with me on this. Hopefully they didn't shut this off just because I said that. Because hear me out. If we're looking at the head to solve this problem, that's a huge mistake. We're buying $3,500 to $5,000 helmets. The problem is the brain is just moving back and forth. And then, of course, when they make the touchdown, we go up and smack them in the head seven times congratulating, and then somebody headbutts them. Great. So now he has eight concussions at once. If you look at the attachment of the spine itself to the brain stem to the brain itself, okay. and you follow that chain down through the cervical vertebrae, through the thoracic vertebrae, and through the lumbar vertebrae to the sacrum, mm-hmm. if we're not controlling the SI joint and balancing out as much as possible, you can kiss any semblance of stability of the brain goodbye. So for example, with the cerebral spinal fluid that pumps, basically uh, pumps north and then the gravity will help it come back down. Right. If that's a very simplistic description of that and how it quote washes the brain and all these things that it does. When there's a kink in the hose, because let's say from a chiropractic standpoint, if one part of the SI joint is locked versus the other side or the femur head on one side, in my opinion, is rotated internal versus the external on the other, denoting a hip disparity then there has to be a chain reaction up the spine in an imbalanced way to try to balance the body. That's how remarkable this organically natural human body is. The consequence is that at the tip of the whip is the head. Mm -hmm. So this person goes through the hole, gets hit, or a soccer player goes down, doesn't even hit their head, and ends up with a concussion because the spine is no longer a shock-absorbing system of vertebrae it's now rigid points in vertebrae, which are now just whipping back and forth. And the head is now becoming the, the spring at the top and it bounces four or five times, but it's not really that that creates the problem. They all talk about the bruising and all this. It's the catch, the, the decrease in the drainage of the cerebral spinal fluid in the cranium. And that starts, so if I started filling up your cranium with water, 
any type of liquid and your brain was now being compressed, all of us would start creating, you know what, I'm ending up with head pain, nausea, I'm losing my memory, my vision's doing this. We'd say it's swelling on the brain. I mean, it always happens when there's a TBI. So I would look at this kind of stuff and say, if we don't get to the point where we're looking at a hip-driven athlete coming into football, then this will put the, this will be the end of the NFL. And I'm telling you that we're going to solve the NFL problem by solving the CTE. I did not say we're going to solve the concussion problem because it is a, it's a combative sport, just like boxing, just like MMA. You get into a sport like that, you're going to get hit. But does there have to be a detrimental, long-lasting hmm. effect like the fluids getting caught up in the brain, not able to drain downward because there's a, a, a kink in the hose, which then if I let water sit in your backyard in a bucket for a month, it's going to become rancid and bacterial. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens when the, when the cerebral spinal fluid is not able to wash the brain. Yeah, that's, this is interesting because I'm just thinking, I mean, I never thought about this before, but it's, a, it's essentially a closed system. I mean, you can transfer some fluid from your uh, intestinal tract into the system, right? But it's, it's essentially closed. There's no way to add fluid to the system. So if, it's, if, it is, if the swelling or the fluid is increasing in the brain, it has to come from somewhere else. Or we can say that it's trading increase of fluid there and therefore decreasing fluid somewhere else. Right. I mean, that's the only way it's going to work. That's exactly right. If there was a, huh. if there was a kink in the hose and the body had a collateral way of saying, here's my other drainage point. Mm-hmm. If there's an overflow, like you would have in your, in your, in your laundry room, your, your washer overflows, you have a drain that's sitting there. Well, if that drain is blocked up, then the pressure keeps building and then the whole house floods. Well, the problem was you have a guy saying, I have brain this, I have memory issues. I've beat my wife. I'm going to shoot myself. And then they go in and they, they finally slice his brain and say, look, CTE. I'm sorry. He has the CTE and, be, and it had become necrotic because the water or the fluid had become necrotic. We've got to be able to look at this as a hip issue. It's that simple. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit clinicgymhybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's clinicgymhybrid.com. Now, for those of you who are going, all right, man, this guy's, he's going, he's reaching far. Uh, I, I know Brian enough to, to know that this is not a, uh, a theory you just came up with on the back of a napkin one night, right? I mean, this is years and probably thousands of athletes you've seen some of this with right? It's my athletes not complaining. You know, I will tell you that I, we worked with Junior Sale for years and he ended up shooting himself. God bless him. I will tell you training Junior for that long, he was one of my athletes that he was such a force of nature on the PR side, the marketing end, everybody was pulling him in a thousand directions. John Lynch was the opposite. He was a, he was a hitter, but he wasn't that brand name that everybody knew. And, and just for everybody's record, I mean, I'm, a, I'm one of the I don't know what other 14 uh, San Diego Chargers fans. I refuse to call them LA Chargers now. <laughs> uh, I think you're, you're in that same fan club, right? Absolutely. We do, we do a small run of shirts every year. Uh, but uh, 
you know, Junior is attributed with, I, I'll have to look up his record. I think like something unbelievable, like 4,000 tackles, right? And you figure a guy in defense, for every one he gets credit for, how many piles has he been in? So the amount of brain trauma that gentleman had is unbelievable. I mean, for every, every tackle you get credited with, there has to be on average, what, five? Five that you're not? Yes, right? but what, just, what I'm telling you about this is I don't care if it's been 100,000. I'm just it's saying fine. Junior had an insane amount of trauma, an insane amount that would probably kill most people. And the fact that he was working with you guys, my point was going to be yeah. that that was probably only, one of the only reasons he was able to deal with that. I mean, more men uh, that were mere mortals, because he was a superhero for God's sakes, he was would have collapsed long before that. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, you know the Agoscu Tower, and your, your people listening can look up the Agoscu Tower on YouTube and just look at the seven-minute video. And again, I apologize because they'll have to listen to my voice, so they'll probably get another headache. But looking at the how that, just think of that cerebral spinal fluid that we just talked about. And look at what the tower does and how it progressively changes femur rotation in the hip joint. It takes time on your back. When John Lynch was going through high school, college, pro, he would literally do the tower more than any human I've ever seen. And I said, John, why do you do this? And he said, because it calms me down. I can meditate. But on the third end, it really moves me to a place physiologically where my body can take any hit. So whether you're taking 50,000 hits or 10 hits, a person who takes 10 hits could end up developing CTE because their spine is rigid and concrete in its absorption abilities. But John Lynch's have been... Uh, readily absorbed through cervical, thoracic, lumbar, and the pelvis. Now you can distribute portions of the load rather than everything going to the head and the neck. Because even the Cleveland Clinic now is saying, it's not the head, it's the whiplash of the neck. And I'm going, please keep going south. Please keep going south. (laughs) Because they're eventually going to go, we just had a discovery. We think if you change the femur head and the SI joint function, the pelvic tilt changes, and the lumbar spine does this. And wait till we really hit them with when they wake up the king, which is the psoas, and we balance out the psoas function and why it's the muscle of the human body, that really is the way to solve this issue. Now, remember, this is 2018, and by the time 2025 hits, this will be everything that the word function was back in the 90s. It was doing bear crawls and the word function got you laughed at. Now, if you're not doing it, you're not going to be working on people. This is going to be the same thing that happens if the NFL can last that long. Well, let me just flip it over. Like how many athletes are walking around with custom orthotics because it's thought that, oh, if we start at the bottom, uh, your back pain will go away. It's like, okay, so you can jump multiple segments that way. You're just saying flip it on its head. We're saying a distal structure can affect a central, a central structure, right? It's, That's correct. I mean, that theory holds up pretty well. We, we've known that. Hmm. All right. Well, that's interesting. So you guys heard it here first. Uh, Brian Bradley is single-handedly going to uh, have Roger Goodell's job because uh, he's, not, he's not doing a good job of saving the NFL and you're going to step in and take it over, right, Brian? Uh, I, I, let me just say this. Roger Goodell's job is impossible because they're wanting him to solve a problem that the researchers are going the wrong direction. So right. we're literally going to save Goodell's job once he finally pulls the trigger on what we're doing with our NFL athletes and why they play for an average of 10 to 20 years. And again, they don't shoot themselves. And, and the, and the career average of most NFL is 2.5, 2.7? 2.5 without injury. That's why, you know, we, we, we were talking to some, one of the NFL teams and we talked them out of drafting a player who I, who I have pictures of who ran a 40 at one of the fastest times ever in the NFL. 
and you look at the, the leg on one side versus the leg on the other, they're so different that why would you even draft that? And I've brought it up with my son and his friends and they all play soccer. They're like, no, I wouldn't touch that guy. Okay, but every NFL team is like, God, we got to have him. I'm like, he's not going to last three years for sure. He didn't last three games before his first injury. <laughs> uh, yep. You can, if you look back at, I mean, if you had a critical eye to watch the NFL draft, you, you would uh, clean house, as they say, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's crazy uh, how many of those athletes, or the combine at least, uh, have marked uh, signs that they will not be a long-term athlete, yet they still get tens of millions of dollars. I would If I owned an NFL team, this is not a joke. Let me change that. If I was the strength and conditioning specialist for a team, I would absolutely make weightlifting a priority. But prior to that, you are going to come with me and we're going to do some hands-on landscaping and construction for an hour before we pick up a weight. Interesting. Because that is whole body movement. That is why you see things in CrossFit. Hey, let's swing a sledgehammer at a tire. No problem, but you better switch hands and you better get your body out of that sitting position all day, which is what's crossing CrossFit. I mean, I'm in a Tony Robbins event with 15,000 people. And I only tell you that because you have to say this, I am going to save CrossFit. And you hear the crowd who owns CrossFit stores in there, maybe a thousand people. And I say, yeah, I'm on your side. CrossFit has never hurt anybody. The human body going into the CrossFit and then doing the power moves or Olympic moves is what hurt themselves, not CrossFit itself. But it could have been basket weaving. I hurt myself basket weaving because my body was in a sitting position and learned the wrong pattern. Yeah, it's, it's like these uh, long, long distance runners in Kenya that, you know, they, they wait for the bus uh, in the squat position and, and they run or they jog to go get water, food and go to school. They don't have a uh, overuse injury rate that, like America does because to them, that's not overuse, right? That's in the U.S., going from sitting for eight to 10 hours, whether you're in school or at work or college or whatever, uh, and then trying to run five miles seems like an overuse situation. And well, we know the human body can put up with those loads. It's just not currently doing it in America. Well, you've heard people now, they're starting this campaign against sitting. Sitting is the next smoking, blah, 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 all this other stuff. Let's change our mind. Sitting is a sport, <laughs> so train for it. Because it. it's not going away, dude. It. You've got to treat it like if we were going to go play golf, play hockey, play uh, uh, any kind of sport you can think about that's going to be one-sided or two-sided, I would never, never go and try to do a sport at the age of 50 right now without doing some type of functional warm-up. Not because I'm worried about getting hurt, but because I want to give my body the ability to do 110% balance on the field. And that's what the patch and the tower in Agoscu therapy without selling us will do. I, I promise you any practitioner that's, that's hearing this, I welcome their email. I welcome their questions because it's my job to change their thinking. I never take things personal. If somebody comes up and just says, Brian, you're full of shit. That's all there is to it. Thank you. Now let's get to the real crux of why you're upset. What did I say? What did I do to give you that belief system? And maybe what I said was, we've cured CTE. I say that because it's going to grab your attention, but I 100% mean it. But it got you to at least say, okay, this guy wouldn't be saying that if there wasn't some type of truth or he's, a, or he's completely insane, which might be both. 
But oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll certify that you're pretty close to insane. I mean, <laughs> I've had a couple of drinks with you at a bar and whatnot. Uh, that's what we love about you is it would take an insane person to make this jump, you know, that's to correct. Yeah. But, uh, Brian, I'm not, I'm not ending the interview. I want you to know that, but I want to just share with people if they are like, Hey, I don't, I don't get it. Um, and I think the patch is an experiential learning at its finest, right? Uh, climbing, <laughs> going in an incline and a decline and a bear crawl on a round surface is, uh, is, is describing that as like trying to describe to somebody what it'll be like your first time hopping in a pool and swimming across. Like you cannot That's explain right. it on standing on the dry land. Uh, if they want to experience this, where can they go to actually participate in one of these workouts? Uh, every Agoscu clinic has people in it that are, um, I'll call them patch certified, where they can take people and show it to you in their clinics. A lot of the Agoscu clinics have patches in them. Um, high schools now, especially in SoCal here, like San Marcos High School, Point Loma. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, Rancho Buena Vista. A lot of these different schools, I think, have these on Mission Hills, they all put these outdoor patches in. We also have the indoor patch, which is amazing because you can, it's all modular. You can stack it in a corner and then bring it out and use it. And even if you said, look, I don't have a patch, but I want to do patch-like workouts, then here's an idea. Go to your local playground with your kid, get off the bench, get on the swing beside your kid, swing with your kid for five minutes, like really swing, like I'm going to jump off it at the highest level like you did when you were six or seven. Then go get on the climbing structure, climb up the sliding board from the bottom, go through the tunnel, slide down the pole. Those are the movements that kind of enhance what patch-like training is about. Dude, try a set of monkey bars. I mean, if you yes. want to be humbled, try a set of monkey bars when you turn, you know, on your 40th birthday. Just go out there, grab a hold, and try and make it across. You have no idea... Uh, how much movement you've lost until you try that. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I wish I could describe it better. Yeah, I just went, I just played with my kids at the playground a little bit ago and the, I'm a big dude and the tunnel is not big. And so scrunching down and trying to army crawl in kind of a, I don't know what you would call it, half crouched bear crawl position. Yep. Holy smokes, was that hard. You know yeah. what I used to do, Josh, and this will probably get Child Protective Services called after me, but my son's 16 now, so I think he's over it. When he was crawling, at the age of say, what are the eight months, nine months, 10 months, 11 months, uh -huh. 12 months, when you're a baby or a kid on the floor and you're looking up at your parents, what's the first thing you want to do, but stand up. Right. So I said to my, I noticed, I'm like, why is he trying to stand up at 11 months? I'm like, Hey, he's my kid. So he can't be that advanced. So, which would be a disadvantage anyway. I actually got down on the floor with him after I knocked him back over. So when he would try to stand up, I'd give him this little nudge in the middle of his back. He'd fall back down to his hands. He'd smile. And then he'd go tr to try to get up again. I'm like, this is not going to be a good relationship. He's not listening to me. Well, what he was really trying to do is emulate what his dad's doing. I want to be up there. So I forced myself to get down on the ground and I bought those tubes that accordion together. And then I Velcroed them together. And I'm not joking when I tell you, <laughs> I would put his food at the other end of it. <laughs> and he literally would crawl through the tube to get his food um, the unfortunate thing now he's 16. I still do the same thing. No, that's a joke. It's not true. But, um, what it did is it, he didn't want to go into it the first time he was just looking at me. So I said, you know what? I've got to get in the tube. So I would crawl through the tube and he didn't even hesitate to follow his dad. And probably smoked end, you speed wise too, right? Oh, yeah. He would catch up to me very simply because again, this was, this was me talking fat guy in a little tube, you know, whereas he is this little kid going through it. I get to the other side and now it became this game. 
Now he turned around and let's do it again. Now I would follow him. I'd grab the back of his feet and became this little thing. And the next time we're together, I'll show you a picture of him at the swimming pool when he was 13 with the rest of his soccer team that's around him. It's this quote, elite level soccer team in SoCal. The build on his body looked like he'd been weightlifting since day one and their bodies were still in that soft adolescent hormonal response. And he literally was crushing people on the field. He won a 200 meter dash at 13 by 40 yards. Jeez. Yeah, never having run sprints before, meaning never having run track, the one kid was giving him a hard time and he's like, oh, we got a new kid, new kid. He drops into the number eight lane on the inside and boom, he takes off and his speed coach goes, well, here he comes around the corner and 40 yards later, he's crossing the finish line. They're going, how did that happen? One of the parents walked up to us and said, I see that he doesn't have track shoes. And I'm like, nah, we haven't, this is our first track meet. And they said, <laughs> you need to get him out of soccer and into track. And I'm like, well, I love the track world, but it's so solitary. I wanted some, some team building, share the ball in yeah. there with it. So, you know, it's, I gave him what I call the unfair advantage. Thank you, Bulletproof, for that statement. I'll, well, I'll quote Dave Asprey on that. But I gave him the, the unfair advantage by going to the park and continuing that crawl through a tube mentality by me being at the park for two and three hours, three times a week and getting off my butt and playing with him and how it acclimated him to every race, by the way, in Southern California who plays at the park. My kid has no idea about skin color. So, you know, I, I accomplished all these goals with just letting him play like a kid, like we did 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. He only knows two skin colors. Those are the sunburned kids and those are the unsunburned kids. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. We're all a little sunburned out here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, just, uh, just so people can know what an impact you're having on the world. Uh, we only got a couple minutes left here, Brian, but you, you changed your son's life. You changed, you know, uh, I don't know what the second or third handedly, you changed my life. You changed uh, Cleet Leinbarger's life and thousands of tens of thousands of other people. But can you, uh, can you talk a little bit about the biggest stage you kind of perform on? Because I think it's pretty damn cool to hear where this journey has taken you. But uh, are you okay to talk about your yeah, of course, your big name client that you? By the way, everybody listening, Brian totally big time me. Uh, we were scheduled for an interview, and then he's like, "Oh, I have to go to this person's uh, Sun Valley mansion and spend a few days, so I can't do the interview." <laughs> that's why we're rescheduling this. So it's. I said, "Well, Brian, just get him on the podcast. You know, I, I, I could use the guest list, but." It didn't happen. But anyways, if you can kind of share that and then also share to people, how do you run a workout of that size with zero equipment? Because a lot of times people are like, oh, you need, you need this or that. And you're, man, that, yeah, that's, that's the, gotta, it's not just big. It's also difficult to, to run, right? Exactly. And it's, uh, we just got back from San Jose. We had uh, 13,000 people up there. We're heading to London in two weeks. I think we have 14 in London, 14,000. But again, whether you're talking to 50 people, 10 people, 100 people, or 14,000, if, you're, if you love public speaking and listening to your own voice like I do, then it's, it's, it's pretty easy for me. Yeah. So uh, when I go to a Tony Robbins event, he, you know, people label him as a motivator. He's truly not a motivator. He's a strategist. And everybody's looking for a new strategy out of an emotional issue, out of divorce, out of a financial issue, how to progress in life, how to make this this world a better place, how to build, blah, 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 how to contribute. The guy is a master at doing this. I will tell you, being in front of that many people, um, I ran into my first talk in Cancun back in 1993 when Pete Agoscu said, look, you're on. And I'm like, dude, I've never done this. <laughs> and I, he goes, well, you know what to talk about, get going. 
And I fell in love with it at that point. And I always joke around. I'm like, you know, it's a, uh, people are like, aren't you scared? I'm not scared. Why would you be scared when you're getting the ability to share information that you know is honestly the truth about the human body and how organic and natural the recovery rate could be? And that's why when somebody says, well, how are you different from chiropractic or physical therapy? We're really no different in our goals. Mine just happens to be a way that assists the chiropractor and the physical therapist in their goal. The client who pays us and does their work and puts time in made their practitioner's job so much easier. And so that's the mentality that Tony's adopted decades ago when he fell off the horse and couldn't move, fell in love with Agoscu because we got him back to do an infomercial the next day. And that was how this whole thing was born and bred. Well, the, the, the idea of that is you have a juggernaut who's worth almost a billion dollars, who's in every market known to man. And my job is to keep that juggernaut going. I couldn't care if, listen, if I never spoke in front of that many people again, uh, you know, it, it'll upset me from the standpoint of the, the PR and the marketing and how it puts Agoscu out there as a company, as a brand. But I've got to allow Tony to do his work because he's doing so much good around the world. And, you know, I know that people are talking about, oh, he's done this too. He's done this. I don't really care. That's, listen, he hasn't killed somebody. And the work that he's doing is clearly outweighing with the people that he feeds and brings water to alone. If he goes down with a back spasm, somebody doesn't eat and somebody doesn't drink. And that's what has to change. And that's why he does his Agoscu every day. Um, and we're just talking about one, let alone, you know, how many billionaires we have that are, have all the money in the world who Tony trains and talks to who live Igoscu now because they realize all the money in the world can't bring them physical health and health is wealth in their mind. Health is wealth. And if you don't find your health and all you're doing is working on other people as a practitioner, you're going to be in some trouble one of these days. And that's my job. Honestly, I implore you. That is my job to help you get back your life underneath you. So some of your practitioners that are listening to this, if they're hurting, if they're tweaked, if their question marks up about why their, their one hip is hurting them now 30 years later, tell them just to get a hold of me. Give them my email, take them to the website. I'll be glad to help them out because the more self-discovery they have, the better they're going to be to their patients down the road. So uh, for those of you listening, you know, make a trip down to San Diego. If you really have some long-term chronic crap that you just can't seem to get rid of with your current book of knowledge, uh, head down to San Diego. And uh, I'm just going to warn you though, when Brian invites you to meet him out on the beach, uh, <laughs> do whatever you can to not make that happen. Because <laughs> if you think that these, uh, you know, if a uh, body weight workout's difficult, Brian finds ways to make sand your ultimate enemy and absolutely uh, uh, bring to light better than an MRI, every internal derangement that you have. So, and done uh, at a level where nobody's miserable. That's the key is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that tongue in cheek. It's, it's pretty, what you guys do is incredibly fun. It's hard as hell, but it's incredibly fun. And you also realize what true asymmetry does to your body. You know, when you're trying to bear crawl in sand, uh, you realize how much your right leg works compared to your left and, and vice versa. You yeah. Know? And if you, you as a practitioner get to see that knee turning out, the one turning in all that stuff. And I, and I will tell you just before I know we got to go here pretty soon. Um, contact information. If like for me, if you want to give them the, the B Bradley at agoscu.com, it's just my first yeah. initial last name, B Bradley at agoscu.com. But ideally, if you would go to agoscu.com or agoscu, I think our agoscuinstitute.com is up. If it's not, if it's not, it's agoscu university. 
and look at the different training things that we have because you can, you can bring this right into your own business and where the patch itself is going to go through its own um, coaching and certification as we, as we build this because we're in the midst of writing new curriculum right now. But the stuff we're coming up with through our institute is, is truly unbelievable because it's really building a family of, of people. And then, you know, Josh, with our tie, you know, with uh, TPI and stuff like that, the, the work that Greg and Dave are doing is unparalleled. Uh, their mission, um, talking about it all across the world, you know, what they're doing with different sports is just unparalleled. They're, it's no longer just about let's get people balanced and all this. It's about let's change people's lives on a global basis, you know, um, looking at their junior program and everything else. So I'm a huge supporter being on their advisory board. I'm not just saying that because I'm on there. I am a huge supporter of what they're doing as, uh, as, as you are. So, you know, anything I can do to help out, you just let me know. Yeah. So you guys will now have actual curriculum around the patch. I would love to participate in that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, you know, no question. Okay. I'm going to get you into that. It'll, um, okay. We're developing it, uh, not as we speak, but it's, it's in the pipeline now because, you know, with me, with business development and strategic programs, this, this strategic stuff, like you and I having this little talk, um, there's a strategy to everything. Um, mm-hmm. The basic strategy is the more people that know about it, they don't have to live in pain and go on disability as a practitioner who's chronically working on other people. That's number one. And then it just fans out from there. That's awesome. All right. Well, I'll definitely reach out to you, uh, Brian. And uh, I, I definitely jam on that, especially if you need some, uh, if you need to test the indoor patch for, you know, uh, it's weight capacity. I'm happy to help you in that regard. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then we'll put bbradley at agasca.com. Agasca is hard to spell, but we'll help everybody out, put it in the show notes. Um, if, you, if you have any issues yourself, reach out to Brian. And if you don't have any issues, but you're like, hey, I want to find some, I'm, I would encourage you highly, those of you listening, Look up Agasco, find a patch workout in your area. It's worth driving an hour or two and just go there with, uh, just for the experience. It's super fun. It's super engaging. It's super difficult, but I think all things in life that are worth anything kind of hit that trifecta, right? It's, it's challenging. It's hard and fun as all, all get out. So I agree. Brian, I appreciate, hey, yeah. Um, just one more thing. I'm going to, yeah. why don't I give you a, uh, uh, a gift from you to your practitioners too, and people listening, why don't I give you the East West breathing course, which is all based on um, when we went over and did some studies with uh, uh, Pavel Collage and uh, Carl Levitt um, based on Yonda being a client of ours and all that stuff. You know, uh, over a decade ago, we shared information back and forth. Mm-hmm. I came back and built a, an East West breathing course that Agoscu did and gave a lot of credit to the DNS stuff because they're, they're so far ahead of how important breathing is and the diaphragms function into this stuff. And I have a five-part series that uh, people can skip the first four parts. If they don't want to listen to more lecture, they can try the exercises at the end, but I'll give you the, I'll give you the active link on that in the show notes and they can have that as a gift. That'd be awesome. All right. I really appreciate that, Brian. Yeah. Cause if you don't think that breathing is part of this whole game, uh, you're living under a rock or you found a DeLorean to take you back 20 years. So absolutely. uh, Yeah. All right. Well, uh, on behalf of Brian Bradley from the Agoscu clinic and, uh, you know, fancy pants over there doing uh, work with Tony Robbins and, uh, and big time and me. This is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Brian, thank you for your time today, buddy. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.